before we continue, guys, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, click the link below. Um, we've got a Telegram group chat. We've got like 130 plus members in there now. Talk about Premier League stuff, football, Premier League, um, international, here and there. Depends what's going on international. Kind of boring international, right? But yeah, make sure you're in the Telegram group. Hoodies coming soon. Giveaway is coming soon. And yeah, we'll make your international break a lot more better if you're in there. So make sure you're in there. 4258 here, back again. I'm your host, Jordan Antonio Brown. And today I got with me a special guest, someone I've known for a while, Sean Scales, ex-Chelsea, ex-Southend, ex-Oxford United. Cool. How, how you doing, man? How you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. It's been a while, isn't it? Yeah, many years, man. Many years. Where are you? Where are you based again? Like, what area? I'm in Billericay. I'm in Essex. Oh, uh, Essex, Essex boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm trying to. So to get to Cobham must have took a while then. Yeah, it was, mate. It was about an hour and a half. It was quite a while. Quite a way. That's that's a that's a long journey, man. Um, uh, but anyway, I mean, we were quite lucky in the fact that we used to have the minibus, didn't we? Like the driver. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, me and my mum and dad didn't really have to do too much of driving. Obviously, still had to do game days and that, but did um, it, training did, that was all right. Where did, where did you have to meet for the minibus? So, my stop was Brentwood, and then the next one was Farrock, which is where Ola would have gone, and then um, then Dartford, then I think it was Swanley, and then we went, went, went to Cobham after that. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, no, that's a that's a long way, man. Especially yeah, night time as well. That's that's long, yeah. man. Yeah, no, you might get the next morning. Morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Shoving shoving dinner down your throat and then go a bit of school. <laughs> you the could, you get like little little goodie bags from the club and eat out on the on the skinny bus home. To be fair, you guys got looked after though. Yeah, we 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 done alright. Even with like the boots and stuff like that. Do you, do you remember that? We used to get loads of like threads and everything. Yeah, yeah. No, the the boots you guys, you, well, you guys were sponsored by Umbro. I don't know if it was maybe when you were there. Maybe it was a little bit before that. But Umbro, mm. then they moved to Adidas. Adidas, um, yeah. But I think they who they with now. Nike, Nike. Nike, yeah. Yeah. Are you a Chelsea fan or? No, I'm not. I'm West Ham. Oh, West Ham. Um, yeah, doing well at the moment, isn't it? I know, mate. Yeah, can't complain. Doing well, man. Chain, good, mate. <laughs> punching above, are you punching above your weight, or you think that's where you belong? Uh, no, I'm punching above my weight historically, and even with the team that we've got. Yeah, you know I mean, like when you look around the league, even like a man, are you a Man United fan? Yeah, Man United fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you look at your squad, I mean, you you should be above us. You know what I mean, like mm. so. No, I mean, we are, but I think we also deserve to be where we are in terms of how we're playing as a team and stuff. Yeah, but um, I think, well, obviously, I was at West Ham from 2013 to 2016. And mm. even when I was there, I saw the change, like the, you know, the money getting, I wouldn't say the money getting put into the club, but... It was a little bit of a change. I don't know. They were smart with it, innit? And um Well, we'll see the move to that new stadium, innit? I mean yeah. that was coming up at that time. So and then probably exactly. Allardyce to Village as well was probably quite a big change. I mean Yeah, that was so. a change. Um, you know, training ground started to change. Um, mm. and then like you got players like Payette coming in, you know what I mean? And that, that's a big Who's change. Did he get to train with him and stuff? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, his first training session, I actually trained with him, yeah. How, how good was he in training? Was he as, as good as what you saw? Different, different level? Yeah, like, um, in training, to be fair, like, um, mm -hmm. I never saw what I saw in a game, to be fair. Um, yeah, I could I imagine I only... you saying that. Teams have that personality, don't they? I mean, that kind of enigma. Yeah, like where, like, but in still in training, he was unreal. I remember his first training session, for example, and um, mm. you know, I was on his team, mm. and then all I had to do was just like make a run. Like normally, when I make a run, sometimes yeah. you don't get the ball or whatever. But I was making every single run. The ball was just landing at my feet, and then I'll just look up, and then the ball's at my feet. I have to score. I just have to put it in the corner, or whatever you know. Um, he was on. He was on my team. My team won. I remember it clearly. And yeah, man, he. He was really, really good. Um, I just, yeah, I think with him, maybe he needed maybe a little bit better players around him to even perform even better. Because I think his ceiling was yeah. even higher than he showed, you know? like Yeah, well, I mean, look how good his Euros was with France that time in the team in the tournament, didn't he? In Euro 2016. So, yeah, yeah no, he was class. He's probably one of the best players I've seen live. I've, I've been watching him bowling a couple of times that year. He, yeah. was, he was incredible when he was on fire. Yeah. So what's going to happen when maybe could be a possibility, you know, Antonio is banging goals. Um, he got out of the back. Zuma and you got, well, Obono is yeah. injured. He's oh, injured. But, um, he's injured, isn't he, now, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got a good team. Um, Declan Rice in the middle mm -hmm. of the park patrolling things. What, what are you going to do if you creep up to, like, second, first, like, What's the feeling going to be like? Are you going to be expecting more, or is it going to be like <laughs> we kind of we don't? It's going to be like less than two point oh, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> not, not, not quite as big, but like, value as, as long as it keeps rolling on. I think I'm just trying to keep. I think we all are. We're trying to keep our feet on the ground. So obviously, there's all this talk of we're massive and stuff like that. I mean, it's a bit self-deprecating. We kind of it's kind of a bit jovial, really. Um, we're just we're just happy. We're just buzzing to be where we are because that was kind of the thing we was meant. To to move to this massive stadium and this is kind of what we were meant to be getting we was promised Champions League I think a couple of years ago now so it, you know some, some people say it's been a long time coming but at the same time we haven't really invested probably the level of the other clubs around us um, so what can you expect well I mean David Moyes the job he's come in you know to save us from relegation finished two or three points of Champions League last year and now look at us in third place after 11 games I mean you just can't knock it and the way he's got the team playing um, and even got us playing for different games. So if we're playing Liverpool, we're more of a counter-attacking side. Whereas when we're playing Aston Villa, we're, we're more on the ball and, you know, Declan Rice is more controlling things. So, no, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a West Ham fan. Definitely yeah. as a season ticket holder. I'm, I'm loving going over there. Season ticket holder. I was saying, must have been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, how was the mood? It's a rhetorical question, really. Yeah. Maybe you're maybe you were different, but how was the mood when you guys had David Moyes? You did all right, like you kept you guys up and everything. You know, I can't remember exactly where you guys mm. finished, but then you know, um, you went with um, after David Moyes, who was it, Pellegrini, or was it before Pellegrini? Pellegrini. Yeah, yeah, yes, it was Pellegrini, uh, Pellegrini yeah. yeah, it was Pellegrini afterwards, yeah. and then Moyes came back again. Like, were you guys thinking, mm, not really sure, like, is he the man for the job? Or were you confident that he would actually bring something to the table? No, nah, no. Nah. 
That'll be lying to you. I don't want it Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it just seems because the thing is, obviously, he's done a brilliant job at Everton, but since that job ended, I mean, obviously, it didn't go great at Man United. Obviously, it didn't go well at Sunderland. I don't think it went, he'd done too great at Ralph Sossi that either. So it's been a long, long time since he'd actually been, you know, a good manager. And the thing is, after Pellegrini, he obviously was such a big name. It probably seemed like a downgrade as well. Um, uh, I mean, he came in, I think the first game was New Year's Day. Would have been a couple of years ago now against Bournemouth and we won 4-0. Um, and really, from then onwards, we've just kept getting better and better. And the thing is as well, he's made players that were already there. I mean, look at Antonio. Do you know what I mean, look how good of a player he's become. He's become a brilliant striker. So he made the players that were already there better. And then he's brought in, you know, Suta or Suchek, the Suchek lad. So, I mean, they've, they've been excellent signings on, you know, not not the biggest of uh, of transfer fees. So, just, I can't knock it. Honestly, it's easy to turn, turn the club upside down. Yeah, never expected that, to be honest. Um, you know, his time at Man United wasn't the best. Um, although that the squad wasn't that great to deal with. But I think with him, I feel like he does good in situations where he's not really... I don't know, West Ham is a pressure club, but you're not really mm-hmm. expecting to be where West Ham are right at right now, right? Um, yeah. It just seems that he thrives. You could, you could almost say it's similar to Everton, really. Do you know what I mean? In a way, we're, we're not too similar to Everton in terms of size, size, stature, history. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he likes a little bit of that underdogs sort of thing yeah yeah at the time of recording there's an international break england (laughs) we know the result (laughs) that they just played um you know um it's not really that great of a watch is it um how do you think international football should change for you for example (laughs) do you enjoy it when west ham aren't playing and watching england or you're like no Um, um, we all love the major tournaments of course you do and we have to understand that unfortunately to get to those major tournaments you've got to go through qualifying and that is the boring bit um, especially when you've got games like the other night last Friday night was it when we won 10-0 against San Marino um, and obviously there's the, that debate there should they even be in the qualifying group should there be a pre-qualifier before you can be in the qualifiers. It's a bit like the FA Cup. You know I mean, everyone can, everyone has a chance of winning it, but you still have about three or four qualifying rounds before you get to the first round proper. So maybe they need to look at that, you know, look at that, because I don't know how much San Marino get out of that game. They, they might do. They might learn a lot from Mark and Harry Kane, but it, it didn't look like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, no, I think there's there's got to be some sort of changes there. And they're trying all the time, and they'd obviously have brought in that Nations League not too long ago. Which is trying to get rid of kind of pointless friendlies, if you like. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, look, England's qualified brilliantly, haven't they? Like they've, they've sailed for it, so onwards and upwards to, to next year. It's mad to say there's another World Cup around. Yeah, you know I mean, it seems, doesn't seem that long ago since since the Euros final. So, yeah. what's what's your expect expectations? Um, are you saying semis, finals, and then you win it now, or is it like? like- is it is it almost like mm, it's a World Cup? Maybe you know, getting to the final is actually still good, depending on the draw. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't say outright win it to be honest, because I still think there's some really really good sides. I think France. Yeah, I mean they haven't gone away. I know they didn't have a great great Euros, but they went. You bounced back, won the Nations League. Spain again, better and better. Um, and obviously you've still got Italy. I know they've still got to get for their playoff now. 
Um, and even Portugal, to be honest. I know obviously we've got Ronaldo, but aside from him, they've got a really good squad as well. So, you know, that's just European. That's discounting Brazil, Argentina, um, and, you know, the rest of the South American sides, Chile, Uruguay. So it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. It always is. We've had such lucky draws as well the last two major tournaments. We can't hide away from that. Um, you know, the last World Cup was just incredible, <laughs> the, the draws we got. Um, it's really, really hard to pay expectations on it because, again, at the same time, I'm saying all that, our squad is just so good as well. I mean, it's probably the best in our lifetimes, or at least since the golden generation. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult, but you'd probably be disappointed if we didn't get to the semis, I guess. You know, as I say, there's so much luck involved as well, as well as obviously having to be, to be a really good side. It's, it's really, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's a completely different experience as well, you know, with, with it being in December and some people, whereas it might not see some others, might, you know, some people need a few months to get into the season to get running. Whereas normally the Summer World Cup's done after a nine-month-long season and some people might play 70 games over the course of that season. So that could make a difference as well. That might be a bit fresher. So, yeah, it would be interesting. Looking forward to it, I must admit. But, uh, Hopefully we go all the way. Hopefully it does finally come home, mate. Yeah, yeah. It should should be coming home to be honest. Um like, you reckon? Yeah, it should I think um you know you look at the Premier League now and mm. um in comparison to years prior, um you got all the you got all pretty much most of the top players in the world playing in the Premier League now. There's not really much mm. other leagues out there where um, yeah. La Liga is yeah. a little bit faded away yeah. now. You only got Madrid um, yeah. having mm. at Madrid also. Um, I love Benzema, but, you know, he's their only, I would say, top, top player still um, mm. playing at that level. And then, um, obviously, you've got uh, France. you only got PSG there, really. You've got really top, top yeah. class players. And then, um, obviously, in Italy, yeah, there's a few, but not... The likes of the Premier League. The Premier League's got all the top class players now, you know. Um, you look at yeah. Salah, uh, you look at Kane, even when he's on form, got Ronaldo there now. Yeah. Um, everyone. So, um, I think mm. you know, the competition every week, week in, week out, that kind of keeps the Premier League players, um, you know, consistently playing at a higher level, even if you get someone in your squad who you might question him, maybe like a Tyrone Mings, for example, he's still playing against top mm. opposition every week. So um, yeah, definitely, yeah. that's a little bit different compared to the other countries, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you never know. It's knockout football. So um, exactly. that's the thing, isn't it? yeah, but I think, you know, Gareth Southgate, he's done a decent job and, you know, I think um, he's managed the group well. Yeah. Um, maybe tactically in the clutch moments that he's not, you know, he's not necessarily the best out there, but um, having the players together um, and, you know, getting them playing for each other and the country, uh, I think that has been the main difference I've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. It feels like he's given it kind of a club team feel, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it seems like they're, they're a lot more together. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen interviews of kind of that golden generation where they kind of say they had splits between the clubs and the other man, you know, I'd say well Chelsea they didn't want to talk to each other. That it don't seem like that now. Um I mean plus he's just got a brilliant bunch of players to choose from. Right? 
look at right back alone. Do you know I mean, you've got Reese James, you've got Trent Alexander Arnold, you've got can play there. There's so many options across the pitch in the attacking positions as well. So let's hope so, mate, because I'd like to see something in my lifetime, not get any younger. So <laughs> nah, it should it should it should be should be semi-finals minimum, I'm saying. But we'll we'll see on the draw. We'll see on see on the night, see yeah. um next December. But um yeah, mm-hmm. so for you guys wondering, obviously Sean's here. Um, you can clearly see his football knowledge is to the T, and you're wondering how does he have this football knowledge? He was at one of the best, I would say, academies probably in the world, um, Chelsea. Um, tell, tell us how you got there and um, what was your journey like, you know, getting into the academy and everything like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just I like any young lad, really. Um, just started in my local Sunday league side. Um, I played for a team called Perry Street. And then I played for a team called Intersport as well. Um, and then kind of, I think I only played five or six games for them in my like, under eight season. And that's when I was scouted for Chelsea the first time. So I actually spent my whole under eight season pretty much at Chelsea. And then I think it's changed now, but back then you could only sign a contract for a team when you turn nine or under nine, start your under nine season. And I actually didn't get a contract at the end of that year there. So I then again went back to Sunday League, if you like. Um, and I played for a team called Chelsea City. Um, so I spent a year, year and a half there. And then I actually got another trial to go back to Chelsea. So I went back to Chelsea having a trial and this time I, I got in. So it would have been under 10. And I stayed there till I was 14. Well, that, already that story is very interesting because you said two things. <laughs> you said um, you first started playing for your Sunday team when you were under eight. And um, that, is, that already is like, wow, because normally you have to kind of have a few years preparation to kind of get you into that mode for academy football. And then secondly, you said... You got rejected first time, and then second time they accepted you on your trial. Um, how was that? Like, did you actually feel that kind of pressure when you were young, um, going there for the second time? Yeah, it was weird, really. I mean, I probably misspoke there. I, I, I played a season with Perry Street under sevens, and then I went and played for in the sports for a few games under eight. So that's, you know, so I did have a season under my belt. Um, and then before that, I'm still obviously playing football. It just wasn't organised, if you like. Um, and then going back the second time was really weird because it was still all the same faces. You know I mean, it was all, it was, they, they remembered me, I remembered them. So it, it was really weird. And it's not very often that you get rejected from a place and, and you go back. Um, so I didn't really feel much pressure the second time because I think once you've already gone through it, you've already been rejected, you've already been released. You already didn't get a contract there. What did I have to lose, you know? So... Um, I think the first time probably more so, and it was different. You, you know, you joined Arsenal at a very young age, and I'm right in saying yeah, it's yeah. quite hard to kind of comprehend. You play for Arsenal Football Club at eight years old, like it's 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 quite a big thing, and it it doesn't really sink in. It doesn't. I, I don't know. It's hard to kind of get into your head that while your mates are just you know kicking a ball around in Sunday League, that you're going off to train at Arsenal's training ground or Chelsea's training ground, and you're seeing the first team players across. Across the other pitch, it's a lot. It's a lot to sink in, and you don't probably understand it as much. But obviously, when I went back the second time, I had the experience of being there. I kind of knew how to deal with that pressure, if you like. And as I say, I feel like the pressure was a little bit off me because if it didn't work out, it didn't work out before, and I was in a position where if it didn't work out there, then I would have probably gone to trial other clubs as well. 
Um, so you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, that's um. Well, obviously, obviously, you said you didn't really feel the pressure, but um, you know, me personally, being in that situation, I I definitely would have had that in my in my head, like oh, I'm going in again. Um, I'm seeing the same faces. You know, these people, they do they rate me? Do they not rate me? Mm. Um, I don't know if you think like that as a young um, as a young kid, but definitely yeah. you do have as a young kid, you want to fit in. You want people to like you and everything like that. Once you, you know, signed and everything, how long were you there for trialing for um, when you were there? I had an initial six week trial, uh, which is pretty standard, but it did actually get extended for another three weeks. Um, just because of kind of the time when I started my trial was kind of leading up to Christmas. So the games program was a little bit um, sporadic, shall I say, a lot of cancellation and stuff like that. So the three-week extension was really just to see me in some games. So I played the three games and that's when I got offered, offered the contract. Yeah, so, um, you know, how long did, after you signed in, did it take you to, you know, ent- integrate into the team, uh, feel like you were a part of it? Do you remember that or was it, is it, is it just a blur to you now? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it's a long time ago, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. A while ago. Um, now, because I think because I was there and I was there for such, you know, I was there for a year before. You know, there was a lot of faces. Like, I know you've done a podcast with Alfie Kane. He was someone who was there when I originally was there and he was still there when I come back. So there was quite a lot of faces, a lot of coaches as well. So it kind of almost felt a little bit like going back home. Do you know what I mean? It, it wasn't, I felt like I integrated in quite well quite quickly so yeah I, I didn't really have any sort of issues with that and I think as well going back to what you touched on about mentality I think I went back there with such a mentality of I'm going to prove you wrong like I'm gonna you were wrong to get rid of me the first time and I think that that self kind of termination is kind of what spurred me on to get rid of that pressure because it was like no nah, do you know what you're wrong yeah. <laughs> that stubbornness to be like probably still going now but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, it, it was good. I was, I, you know, obviously delighted to, to go back there because, as you say, it was, it was such a brilliant academy. Um, it was such, such a brilliant reputation. So, you know, it was, it was where I wanted to be. Um, how was your parents' impact on you uh, going forward? Um, and, you know, supporting you for your journey? Um, were they, you know, the typical, um, well, nothing's typical in football, but. It's either one or the other, really. But were they uh, the pushy parents, like, oh, you gotta, you know, do better, or, or like that, or were they just supportive of you and everything like that? No, 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 just supportive. They weren't pushy. So if I turn around tomorrow and went, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to join Royal School of Ballet, or you know, I want to be an artist. They would have been <laughs> fair play. You know what I mean, you do you. Um, no, they did. it was my dream at the end of the day. I didn't need anyone else to to push that as such. Um, Obviously, very supportive. Um, but yeah, no, they, they didn't push me. But you are right; there are a lot of parents that are obviously very, very pushy. Um, but they, they certainly, certainly weren't that type. Uh, did you did you ever see that? Did you ever come across that? And do you think that actually has a negative or positive impact on the kid, depending on how the parents are? Um, depends, because it's different. There's different kind of types of pushy. Um, I think it can be a negative, and it can be a negative, I think, if actually coaches see it. There's a lot of coaches that don't want parents trying to... Because it, it, 
you get mixed messages. If your parents telling you to do this, but the coach telling you to do that, that can cause an issue. So push it in that sense of you should do this, you need to do that. When actually the coach is telling you different, that's obviously not good. I don't think I don't mind a little bit of pushiness. I don't mind. I don't know. Come here, son. Let's do a one-to-one session in the garden or something. That's not as bad. Do you know what I mean? If you're trying to help them in a positive sort of positive reinforcement, but the ones that end up screaming on the touchlines or going over to the manager, why is he not playing here? Why is he not doing that? That's that's never a good look. I don't think so. It depends how you go about it. But it, it, some kids just don't need pushing. I didn't feel, I don't think it would have benefited me at all. I think if my mum would have like that, it probably would have turned me off it, to be honest. I'd probably just <laughs> leave me alone. I'll go and do something else. So, no, it's, it, it depends. Everyone's different in it. Everyone's personality is different. So, it depends. To be fair, um, every, thinking back now, every single parent who was very pushy and um, mm. they were, they were on the whole Project Mbappe thing before Mbappe was even around. Yeah. To be fair, those players, I, I, they didn't really, they didn't really deal with the pressure well when it came to that point, you know. Um, and those players, sometimes mm-hmm. they were like some of the best players, but you know, when it came to like the pressure and dealing with the stress of football and everything, they didn't really cope with that well you know mentally so um i didn't really realize it at a young age but thinking back now like it's actually yeah. very uh you know it's, it's, it's prevalent in football do you know what do you know what it is you just burn out because going to training and games does become stressful you're right when you're trying to chase the next contract or you know you, you're constantly being watched constantly being assessed that's the whole point so that can be in itself. it's still fun obviously but it's, it's a stressful environment as well because you want to do well if you come away from that and you go back to what should be your safe space and you're going back home and you're still getting it, you're still being pushed, you're still being assessed. I mean, you, you never get to kind of relax and just enjoy the experience. So that probably the reason why when they get to those pressure moments and they don't deal with it well, because they're just burnt out. They're just tired. Just just, yeah. just need some, you need to relax away from the game. Rest, rest and recovery, you know what I mean? You, you need yeah. to, and that's the mind as well. The mind is just important as the body, so... Yeah, no, I think the mind is probably more important, to be honest. Um, probably, probably, yeah. Think, thinking back, like, um, you know, it's actually a full-time thing playing football for academy at that age. Like, talk us through your, your you know, you mentioned before, obviously, but um, your mm. routine through the week. Like, what would it look like when you were, like, 12, 13 years old or yeah, well, I mean, training was Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday morning, and then Sunday would be games, home and away. So that would be your standard week. And then obviously, as you get a little bit older, I was unfortunate enough that I didn't get to do it at Chelsea, but you get day release programs. So in between that Tuesday and Thursday, you might have the Wednesday of school. Um, so, you know, you could end up training. You're right. And especially where, where I played at Chelsea. And where I live, I'm living in Essex. It was like an hour and a half drive there and back just to training. Do you know what I mean? So home games weren't even like home games, really. It was still away. So it's a lot of time on the road. It's a lot of time away from your parents, away from your schoolwork, away from your friends. So if you're, if you're not dedicated and you don't want to do it, it, there's no wonder why you can end up being burnt out or just falling out of love with the game. But um, I can't say it's something that happens to me personally, but I can understand why it would. Uh, yes, yeah, you're right. It's almost like having a little full time job, and or part time job when, when you, you know, when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah that that's that's a good point you mentioned um if you do not enjoy it then as a kid that could be very very stressful mentally for you because you're just thinking i don't even want to do this you know like i'm i'm traveling here well most kids i think they do love football i think it's just the other things that come with it um and those extra stresses is the reason why you wouldn't want to do it Um, that's actually a crazy uh, situation um do you what, what was the craziest thing you saw in like academy football would you say like a situation where you'd be like hmm that's not really normal or when you look back it's like hmm um you know I didn't really see that at that time but now I can see that is a bit it's a bit different yeah I mean that's broad um I don't know really. I mean, I, I mean, when Jeremy Bogger turned up from France at twelve, I don't get. To, I don't think that's normal. <laughs> so when you got French players coming in saying you're twelve, can't speak a word of English. That's um, that's not normal. But yeah, I, I guess things like that. Just seeing people travel ridiculous distances. We also had an Australian lad that played with us for a bit, so he'd come across the other side of the world. So I, I suppose that because when you think about it, that, is mad that you uplift, you uprooting a whole family's life on potential. It's not definite. You know, look at yeah. yourself. You know I mean, I, I don't play anymore, so it's it's complete. You know, it's, there's no there's no basis there at all that they're definitely going to be professional footballers. So I get, I suppose that I suppose it's just the distances and the effort that's involved from not just yourself. Again, something you said something you didn't realise when you're younger, but it's also the people around you, it's your parents, the amount of hours they have to put in. So you know I mean, when you go on away game on a Sunday against. Southampton or Cardiff and them to drive you three hours for the game. I'm sure that's not what they want to be doing on their Sunday. You know what I mean? When they've been working all week, all hours of the week, to, to, to just to provide, and you've got to add that on top just to support your dream. So I guess that's also another, you know, another crazy thing that you don't really realise as a kid. You just, you know, everyone's parents are doing it, so you just kind of think it's normal, but it's not. Yeah, shout out to all the parents out there um, who've ever done that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, um, you know, who are still doing that as we speak, you know, probably, uh, what, what day is it today? Thursday, some parents are probably getting back from training <laughs> as we speak. Yeah. Um, some live, like, out the catchment area, maybe hour and a half drive, like you said. Um, that, mm. is, that is crazy when you actually think about it. People don't really see like what it gets to, what you have to do to get to that, you know, stage in your career, whatever, whatever level that is, you know, it could be any level to, yeah, be yeah. Even play, to even be playing some type of organized football, um, you know, as an adult, um, where there's like three points on the line type of thing, you know, you, your parents probably had to go through something, um, you know, to get you there. So yeah, definitely shout out um, all the parents out there. Um, so Chelsea, um, how did you see the rise of Chelsea, you know, when you were there? Um, what year did you join? You must have joined like 2003. No, 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 sorry, 2004 to five, probably. So that. Yeah, I, I joined probably the last year that was sponsored by Umbro. And uh, just before, just in that period between Abramovich buying the club and not, you know what I mean? So I think I've started there and it's, he still hadn't bought the club then. But as I was kind of leaving towards the end of my first season, he had. And then even the difference actually going back a year and a half, 18 months, two years later, um, 
the difference that it made and we went from I don't know if you remember it kind of like an old sort of white academy building to probably one of the best academy buildings <laughs> definitely at the time I know there's been you know other amazing academy buildings built since at Spurs and City and wherever else but yeah the, the, the transformation across across Cobham in general and in particular I'd say um, was incredible and you know the way that the facilities that we had at hand just went from quite very basic to be honest when I was first there you know nothing, nothing special at all to probably being one of the best training bases in in the world so yeah now I think that 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 geezer completely transformed that club from from top to bottom yeah that, that must have been a crazy transformation um as a kid um you know did you see anything crazy in terms of um like wow I'm actually here you know you actually realize I'm actually at Chelsea wow I get free boots like what was the thing that kind of woo you uh, wooed you away the most I think when so the academy building was built first which I actually thought was quite um quite telling actually of the direction that they wanted the club to go because they had to put the academy before the first team building um maybe our building was more dilapidated and needed more I don't know but um, it was probably the time when they opened up that first team building and they kind of took every academy player around for a tour and they just showed you like treadmill was underwater and you know swimming pools that were you know changing gradient and saunas and sleeping like hotel rooms in there and canteens and it's the most incredible first team building like the managers offices and stuff like that even like Sky Sports were there like presenting it and stuff and had to like train in front of the cameras just you know because Sky Sports are there unveiling this new academy their first team building so I suppose that and the thing is as well at Cobham you literally you're just one you're one road across each other you've got a road for the middle and you've got academy building here and you've got first team building there so you're so close all the time you're in such close proximity that you know it was regular to see first team players you know what I mean it wasn't you weren't kept separate as such so yeah I suppose that and obviously as you say I mean we got like <laughs> Copious amounts of free boots, free kit. Um, yeah, we were, we were we were very well looked after. Can't can't complain at all in that in that regard. Yeah, um, Chelsea. You know, they run like a big club and everything. You know, I don't even know if you heard this, but you know when well you do know like we had a rivalry Arsenal versus Chelsea. That was like oh, yeah, the biggest... we know, we know, yeah, we know, mate. <laughs> that was like the biggest game you could fit. Like any you you see in the picture list. Arsenal versus Chelsea, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting yeah. ready for this game. Coaches are like, yeah, definitely. coaches are on it. Like, they're making sure, like, everyone's ready yeah. and everything like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, that was you guys' yeah. experience. Our guys' experience at Arsenal was actually totally different. Um, really and truly, the only thing that I think at a young age, they, they did run the club like a big club was Kit. Um, and mm. probably free boots. Um, we got like two pairs mm. of free boots a season. But other than that, we yeah. didn't when they, have when the they same do it, Just the black and white gym pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you remember? Yeah, yeah. The Ronaldinho. <laughs> same boots every year. The flap on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, other than that, we didn't have an experience like you guys, you know. Like, I don't know why that was, but mm. um, I think that's kind of what maybe tipped you guys over the edge. You kind of... Uh, attracted the better player maybe if both clubs were going for one player you would tip um, you know you'd get tipped um, to get that player for example or um, you know 
if it's like pit, well, pictures were yeah. pretty similar and everything, but I just felt like um that was the one thing that Arsenal lacked, to be honest. Um, I think yeah, it didn't do it how a big club should do it. Um, talking about you guys' experiences at Chelsea, bro. Mm, yeah, but just be honest with you, when I was there the first time, there would have been nothing in it. It was only when, you know, when Abramovich come in and all these grand buildings were being built, that's when things changed within the space of two or three years. But when I was first there, there would have been absolutely no difference. We would have had the exact same experience, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, no, you're right. Those games, though, they were feisty, weren't they, between us? So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, um, I think, you know, depending on who you guys put out, it would depend on the score. And depend on who won. Um, I think maybe if um, you know both teams had both of their players around about the age of 13, 14, I think it would Chelsea might edge it a little bit just because they had you know Jeremy Bogle, for example. You you can't compete with that at that age, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, just the best foreign players in the world and everything. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it was crazy. They were, they were really good games, though. And to be fair, you, as you say, like for the four years I was there, it did swing either way. You know what I mean, like some, you know, it wasn't wasn't you guys won all the time, or or we did. That's why it was so good. It was competitive. That's why we looked, we you know, we looked forward to to playing you guys because it was it was a really good game. And you're right, like literally the, the Tuesday before the game on the Sunday, like the whole week was just spent like building up to it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so. You saw the rise of Chelsea. Um, you saw the players coming in. Who, who, who? Apart from Jeremy Berger, because we know you're going to say him. Mm. But other than him, <laughs> who, who was your top three players that you got to, got to play with at that age? Uh, I don't know, mate. It's so hard because I don't even really want to name names because it'd be so unfair. Because I'll definitely forget someone, or you know, I definitely. It's, it's so, so tough. I mean, we had so many brilliant players. I mean, yeah, obviously, I know, you know, Ola, Ola was fantastic when he was so, so good. Charlie Colkey was brilliant. Connor Hunt was brilliant. Um, you know, obviously, not quite my year group, year above, but he was in, like, my, uh, you know, when you used to go on tours and it'd be done by your date of birth, like, 96. And Ruben Loftus-Cheek was 96. He was obviously really good. Um, so many, mate. Honestly, I couldn't, couldn't say. Really good. And it's... I'd have to say every every person in my team alone. So it's only you know really did. It was such a such an immense amount of talent. I'd say my year, the year above me, and the year below me in particular, those sort of three years across that kind of time span. I mean, so many so many top players have come out of that that age group or age bracket. Um, but yeah, no. And the thing is, people were better at different times. Do you know what I mean? Like. It wasn't like someone was always here and they were the best player always. I mean, it didn't do that because it's just natural, isn't it? It's just player development does that. You know, people go through body changes quick. Some people get bigger, stronger. Some people technically develop quicker. It's not like this person just always at the top. You do get the rare case now, of course you do, but it's it's not. You know, the the line of success isn't straight, is it? It's, it's <laughs> up down everywhere. So. But yeah, no, we had a, we had a brilliant squad, so I can't really give you a direct answer. No worries, no worries. Yeah, I, I understand, I understand. But you you named the names anyway. Um, <laughs> great players. Um, you know, players that um, you know they're still doing, still doing well. And um, you know, it's it's crazy to think like 
how many good players you can find of that quality and actually put in a team. Like, it's actually crazy when you think about it. Um, you know, you guys won a lot of games, tournaments and so forth. So, um, you know, playing in teams like that, it can only make you better, you know. So how, how was that going from, you know, playing at Chelsea then to your next club? Um, how different was that, you know? Maybe the facilities, maybe the players you're yeah. playing with and everything. Like, yeah, what yeah. Are the biggest changes when um, you go from a club like Chelsea to um, Southend after that? Yeah, well, well, I mean, fire briefs in a Dagenham Refuge, actually. So when I left Chelsea, um, I didn't really want to, commit to my next club straight away so kind of Dagenham Redbridge were kind of setting up their academy or centre of excellence was at the time so I think they'd only just got back into the football league I think they've always floated around sort of the conference sort of era and obviously it's not too far from me so I kind of went down there played some games trained with them just to the end of the season before or kind of joined Southend um, so but, but that I mean if we're talking about facilities they didn't even have a training ground that was just at a school school changing rooms, you know, on, on the bobbliest pitches, you know, no kit, you know, no training kit or anything. You know what I mean? It was, uh, that was a complete fall from grace, if you like, in terms of, in terms of the differences. But as you mentioned earlier, I mean, anything would be chalk and cheese pretty much with Chelsea at that time. I know it's not, not quite the same now, but at that time, that, that you know, they were, they were quite far ahead in terms of facilities and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, and then obviously I signed myself in, um, it did have a training ground. It's <laughs> um, not not anything obviously on, on the level of Chelsea now, but but you know that's it was it was ideal for me in terms of obviously locality. You know it wasn't too far from me. Um, it meant I could get the train training as well, so it took that kind of load off of my mum and dad as well because you know they'd done a hell of a lot of driving. So it was it, that was kind of the the main reason for for going to there after um when you went when you went there um you just main, mentioned the biggest differences and everything uh playing wise um you know what were the biggest differences how you were taught on how to play football like just the basics on how to play football like what were the main differences yeah um do you know what funny enough training wasn't too dissimilar but it was kind of on a match day, you quickly learn that you need to kind of get that ball forward much quicker. Um, I don't want to say long ball or such, but, you know, there's, at Chelsea, it was kind of, obviously, you didn't want to give the ball away, but it's, it was kind of more developmental, I guess. But maybe that was also kind of the age groups I was getting to as well. But you was you didn't, you played out from the back. Do you know what I mean? Even if, it, even if it looked like you were going to lose the ball, you didn't, you didn't just kick it. You didn't look for long part. Long passes, all right, as such, but you know, you didn't have direct balls into a striker to try and bring down and hold up. Whereas, obviously, when, when you're going down to sort of that level, that's that's more expected because that's that's the way you know the youth team and the first team are going to play. Of course, they are. That's you know, so that I'd say that's different. But in training, though, you know, I would say South and did did um did try to you know get us to, to play out and do the right things and work work on our technical stuff. So it wasn't you know, it wasn't. We used to do like little cage things as well. Do you know what I mean, like three feet freeze. It wasn't all all like that. Um, but yeah, on a, on a match day, it was definitely, uh, you know, I definitely become quite a victim of doing that as well because it was the easy option. That's the problem when you're allowed to do something like that. You can kind of cheat yourself and think, actually, I'm not going to play that ball. That's, that takes bravery. That takes courage. 
And actually, it's just easy to get the ball out of my feet and just kick it long and then someone else is still through. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When really, you should be probably playing that, that little pass through, through, the, through the first, through the lines. So that's that's probably the biggest difference, I'd say, playing-wise. Yeah, I think, um, the like you said, you got to learn how to play like the first team do. Um, mm-hmm. I think if there was a restructure in English football on how to play football, um, I think you'd see a lot more technical players across the board. Um, you'd see, yeah. you know, players in League Two coming up, making their debuts, where they can easily play in the Championship or for a Premier League team, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think that kind of needs to change. I, I think the way maybe to do it, there's a lot of teams in England, so I don't know how you would do it, but you'd basically just make a B team um, play in League Two, for example. So then it would kind of have to change the style of football. Um, maybe. We don't know. Um, yeah. How, how do you think? Is I, the, I, I, can, I, can see, I can see the benefit of that, don't get me wrong, but I think that's the culture that we have in this country in the 92 league clubs that we have and even beyond that now, I mean, the conference is such a high level and there's a lot of money in the conference now and even below that, South and North and even down to Ryan and Oyster and whatever it is now, you know, we have such a, a strong footballing culture. Are fans of Notts County going to want to turn up and see Man United B? They're not, you know, they're going to want to go and see Notts County beat Macclesfield or do you know what I mean? Like those, those kind of rivalries, because what fans are going to sign up of that B team? There's not going to be a lot. Do you know what I mean? It's that's quite mm. a quite a niche thing. And I think as as good as that might be for the development of the players, it might end up being. I mean, we've seen it a little bit with that Johnson's paint trophy, or is it Papa, Papa John's pizza trophy now, where you get under 21s teams playing the the League One and League Two teams. And I don't think that tournament is probably working how people would like it to. So I, I think if you expanded that, I mean, how would you structure it? Would you keep the original 92 and then add B teams to that? Would you how would you add like a League 3 as such? Or Yeah, um, it would be very hard to restructure it now because what is done is mm. done, right? But um, yeah. if you were to sprinkle some of the best, um, you know, B teams... Um, and then maybe they get to play, um, you know, even lower down. Maybe they start lower down um, in the mm-hmm. like, even in the conference south leagues or whatever it may yeah. be, right? And then they can work their way up, get promoted um, every year, whatever. And how it would work because it works in Germany like this. Um, you can't be um, a league between um, your actual uh, professional yeah. club. So obviously, um, if you're playing for Bayern Munich their B team, they play in the third Bundesliga and, um, you know, yeah. they can they compete in that league. So all those players, yeah. say for example, the reason why they might, well, many players, you might not know them, but the reason why Jamal, yeah. uh, uh, how do you say his name correctly, Musalia, um, if, is that how you say his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The reason why he's ready from the get-go yeah. is because he's already played. Yeah. League One comparison in Germany, which is yeah. a very competitive league, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just something that you know yeah. maybe they could they could look into. Um, just just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Just playing devil's advocate. Is that not what the loan system is for? Is that not where you go out on a loan and go to those teams that are already in that division? But you I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the loan system benefits 
some of the academy boys because um I saw something that come out the other day where Junior Stanislas is talking about going on loan. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, was it Southend? Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, Southend, and he said like he's getting involved in keep balls and that, and he said it's much bigger spaces, and then when he goes yeah, back yeah. to West Ham, he can't compete. So it's like, how do you bridge that gap where you're trying to be and trying to actually get into your own first team, but yeah. you know, you're, you're also trying to do your thing and, you know, survive in, um, you know, the lower league system as well. So it's like, you know, yeah. that's why, that's why I, I think the loan system is a catch-22. Sometimes it does work, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you adapt to your situation. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes you're, you yeah. adapt your situation and you end up picking up different tools in your toolbox, but then sometimes it mm-hmm. does hinder you um, where you do go back to your first team club and you just look out of shape because you're just not really on the same tempo or the same vibe as, you know, the other players yeah. that, you know, stayed there. So um, it's, it's a different... Yeah. It's a different have, you, have, you played in, have, you, have you played in Germany, George? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, I went to I went to Germany. I played in um, yeah. I played in one of their B teams. Uh, for they were like right. a yo-yo club, like from Bundesliga right, to okay. second Bundesliga. But uh, yeah, I played in their second right. second um, team in the fourth division, and that was a good experience because you're playing against men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Germany it works, but it's already there, so yeah. that's the reason why it works. Yeah, because that's what I was gonna say, like. How does that work from an attendance point of view? Kind of like a passion kind of view. Like we we get two games on telly. You know what I mean, they get four, five, six thousand people. Is it the same over there? Is it well attended? Is it is it seen as a? Because I think here it'd be seen as kind of a lesser game. If if Sunderland are playing Man United under twenty ones, that's not seen as the same same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like how yeah, does that work out there? Hundred um, percent. It's the same as over there, and that is what would. You know, how do you bridge that gap where yeah. you get people right. interested in, you know, the youth, yeah. the young players and everything? But right. for certain games, you know, you do get a lot of fans um, go into certain teams. Maybe if that team is like one of the best teams in the league, because um, even like the last club I was at in Germany, um, the team that actually finished near the top, they were a second team, you know? Mm. Um, so they actually, right, okay. um, I think they they went up. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they went. They actually went to the third Bundesliga. So um, when you got when you got teams like that, then people want to see the next yeah. up and young cup, um, up and coming player. You know, um, but right. of course, if you're it's a it's a catch twenty two for everything, right? Um, you got some teams where yeah, yeah they're good yeah. Young players, but they're getting bullied. Um, because they're not physically ready, but, but um, you got other teams. Say, for example, the team we played, um, you know, they were popping, popping us, popping us. They're kids, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the st- as a standard level, more more time than not, these teams are ready. You know, these B teams is just getting the chance to actually play football and everything. You know, that's what I feel like. But we'll see how it works. Um, Guys, we're going to get back to the podcast in a bit. But now, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, comment. If this is on YouTube, you're watching. Spotify, follow, giveaways in the Telegram group, link below. Make sure you click that. Cash giveaways, football prizes, all the rest of it. 
don't miss out. Now back to the podcast. So yeah, uh, South End. Um, you know um, what happened there, and um, you went to Oxford afterwards. Yeah. So to be honest, I joined and then broke my arm. Quite, well, yeah, broke my wrist quite quickly after. So that was kind of a little, little bit of a setback. And then I actually had uh, my first knee operation, which was on my right knee. Just had a bit of cartilage that needed taken out. So that kind of took me through the rest of my under-15 seasons. So I didn't play too much. Um, and then I come back from under-16s year, which is obviously such an important year when, when you get your scholar or you don't get your scholar. Um, that was just, I just weren't, weren't really at, at the races straight away. Um, I felt like I was getting back into it towards the end. And when, when I kind of went from a meeting, I did think it was a little bit, you know, I wasn't expecting a contract, but I also didn't walk in there thinking that I wouldn't. I mean, I, I thought it was was quite close. I might be completely wrong on that. Um, obviously, I, I didn't end up getting one. So, I was, you know, found myself released again. Um, and then it was just really just trying to find, you know, trying to find a club. Obviously, it's difficult because there's so many boys that are released at that age. That, yeah. um, so, I ended up, at, up, up yeah. So I went, I went to Barnet for a couple of weeks and then they got relegated to the conference. So that kind of put a bit of a spanner in the works. That trial ended there. Um, and then I actually was doing pre-season with an Essex senior league team called Bowers and Pitsy. I was just playing and training there, just trying to keep fit. And then I ended up getting a, a trial at Oxford and I was up there for a couple of weeks and then I managed to get a year's deal with them. So that's basically how I ended up there. Yeah, that's, that's a far place to go. Um, especially for for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, Dick's there. So <laughs> you went, you went Chelsea, then down the road, South End, and then you got to go up yeah. and away again. Um, that's, that's a far <laughs> place to go. Um, what was the? Was there any differences from Oxford to South End at all? Um, I think I think they were better. I think they were better set up. I'd say I don't want to talk ill of anyone I just think that they're I just felt I thought the coaches were I don't know it was different it was different I mean, they're still league one league two clubs generally historically it's kind of where they've always kind of floated around um but I'd say the training ground was better um good quality of players as well I played with some really really good players also um not saying I didn't at South End but maybe generally maybe the team was slightly better so obviously that's beneficial to yourself but again I mean my I just was so injured and I was just so off it at that point I just wasn't I wasn't very good <laughs> true um, and I just, I just wasn't good enough when when I got released from there I, I definitely deserved to, to have been released <laughs> so uh, you know that's the that's the only meeting I've ever had or that phone call decision that I've had where I knew the answer before they told me I knew, I knew that I wasn't you know or the other two I wasn't you know I thought it was a little bit you know here or there but yeah, that one I was just I knew already. So, <laughs> I was, I, you know, I was, I was not very good at all. Um, so, you know, when you got the knee injury, um, how does that hit you at that age? Um, are you like thinking, you know, this is, you know, this is gonna be a problem, or at the, at the time where you just like it is what it is, I'm gonna come back from this. Um, what's your mentality at, at yeah, that age? I mean, I think, to be honest with you, it's something that I had from 12 or 13. I was, there was always something like, I used to say to my dad, like, I feel like I can't sprint anymore. I felt like I was always getting pains and 
couldn't really put my finger on it. And then I had that thing when I was 15, that's how I felt. And that was actually a very basic operation. Literally just a bit of cartilage that's come loose, taken it out. That was it. I was back playing again within six to eight weeks. But it was the other knee, like, since. And, uh, I mean, I'm still having operations on that now to this day. But, again, that didn't, I didn't really, didn't really discover that until I was about 18, when it just got to the point where I was playing for Chelsea City at the time for the youth sides and reserve sides. Um, and I was having to, I was trying to do, like, a Leslie King. I was, like, missing training sessions, trying to save myself for games. And I just wasn't good enough to do that. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, like the coaches said, said, like, go and get this looked at. And when we discover the extent of what I'd done to my left knee, it was like, yeah, that's it, mate. You've got, got to hang up your boots, pretty much. Um, this this isn't really getting any better. So I um, I actually went for a clinical trial on the left knee to try and get back playing, which involved taking some stem cells from my hip and putting them into my knee to try and grow new cartilage. Because effectively what I've done at some point is I've broken my fire bone in my left leg. And then that hadn't healed back properly in the correct place. So because it hadn't healed back properly in the right place, that bone was basically breaking down the cartilage, which then meant that my every time I was running, moving, jumping, whatever, that cartilage was wearing away. So in effect, I was just bone on bone by the time I got to 18. So that pain that I'd been feeling for years and years and years, that had been, that had been what it was. So I had tried this stem cell therapy um, and it went okay. I tried to get back to playing. And then it's just like, no, nah, this 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 hasn't really worked. And again, I went for more scans, more scans, and they were like, yeah, no, sorry, this this hasn't taken up as as well as we wanted to. The operation has worked to a degree, but it just hadn't worked in a big enough area, so it's still that it's still like that. <laughs> so you know, it just it didn't didn't work out. So I'm still having operations on it to this day. It's never to to get me back playing again, obviously, um, not even to get running again, but just to try and get of pain because I'm in chronic pain with it every day as you can imagine I've got no cartilage in there so it's just trying to put off the inevitable which will be a, a knee replacement at some point obviously I'm still I'm only 25 so you don't want a knee replacement now because it's too young so that's that's basically kind of what finished my football career if you like but I mean from probably about 15 onwards I wasn't very very good anyway so I'm not blaming it on the injuries at all I just wasn't good enough no that, 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 but, that definitely has yeah, an effect definitely has an effect on um, you know, your ability, you know, it has an effect on uh, maybe doing something that you probably would have, but now you can't do that anymore. Um, you're thinking while you're playing about your, your knees and everything. You're not thinking about just playing. You're not thinking about, oh, where's my next pass going to be? You're thinking, oh, like, can I get through this game, you know? So that is a very hard thing to uh, be going through. And, um, you know, when when did you have the realization that maybe this isn't gonna this isn't gonna plan, pan out what I thought it was gonna be in terms of your career and everything like that? When did you have that kind of realization that? Yeah, so like as I said to you earlier, with with the first time when I went back to Chelsea, even when I was very young, I kind of always had that I'll prove you wrong sort of thing, or as I say, a little bit of stubbornness, I suppose probably a little bit of delusion really looking back but um but always every time I got released it'd be like nah you know what I'll prove wrong prove wrong prove wrong um but it was kind of I'd say probably around the time when I got released from Oxford I probably started thinking it's gonna be it's gonna be tough um and then yeah when I got to Chelsea City it started off all right I started off all right again but just the, the more I played the more I trained um it just wasn't wasn't getting any better 
And, you know, as I said, I started missing training just to try and play games. And you can't do that at 17, 18. That's, you know, you, you need to practice craft. You need to do that at 25. Do you know what I mean? So you definitely need to do it when you're still developing. Um, and then, yeah, just when I, when I saw that surgeon that day, when I finally kind of put off, if you like, what what was wrong? And when he basically sat me down, just said, like, you're not, you're not playing football again, sort of thing. It was obviously tough, but at that point, you know, I probably was so far from Mark anyway, you know, shadow of a player that I ever was, that, you know, I probably kind of already accepted in my head at that point that, you know, nothing was ever going to come out of it, not in a, not in a professional sense anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now um, in, your, in your life, obviously your transition from football to what you're doing now, um, how how was that? And um, most importantly, are you at peace with everything that has happened? Yeah, of course. That's a good question. I mean, I was quite thankful with with Oxford. Obviously, I've done um, I've done like BTEC level three sports science, which I think is quite standard for for scholar players, or it was back then. Um, which obviously gives you UCAS points, and then also done some qualifications while I was playing with Chelsea City as well in terms of like MBQs and stuff like that. So obviously I realised I couldn't really do anything active. My dad's plaster, I worked with him for a bit. But again, even doing that was affecting my knee and stuff like that. So I knew I needed kind of like a sit-down job. I needed an office job. Um, so I used those kind of UCAS points to get on the apprenticeship um, and insurance brokers. And then that's what I've done since then. So I'm, I'm still working insurance now. Um, in terms of coming to peace with it, Obviously, it was tough. Do you know what I mean, it probably took me a good couple of years, two or three years, really, to probably get over it, if you like. Like, even I've done like a little bit of coaching after, and I was getting frustrated. Like, I want to be the one playing. Do you know what I mean, I don't know, I want to coach yet. So, the kids are like, I don't want to play. You, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, give me like, to go and play. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. um, yeah, definitely 60 years now, I definitely am. And there's something that now I just look back with, with immense pride at the end of the day, um, and immense pride for the, boy, for the boys. I played with as well. Do you know I mean, it could be it could be so easy to be bitter to be jealous, but they they absolutely deserve it. I know you, you, we both know how much that they put into it. So I mean, they, they haven't got their bad luck or chance or anything like that. Um, so no, I'm immensely proud when I when I go over and see Declan Rice every week, captain armband at West Ham it was brilliant. Do you know I mean, I remember him when he was at Chelsea with me when I was younger. So yeah, just things like that. Yeah, you know, really really happy to see, it. and it kind of vindicates it as well, doesn't it? Like kind of a vindication because it kind of proves that what you was trying to do and trying to achieve that uh, if things kind of fell into place the right way that you, you would have got there you could have got there you weren't stupid for following your dreams because other people were able to go and do it so that's that's kind of the way that I see it yeah of course uh with your situation there was injuries but at the end of the day what you put yourself through um your parents and yourself that has now added to your experiences in life where maybe now people that maybe you work with, people you know, your friends or whatever, they're only going through some trials and tribulations now in their life, you know? They mm. might have had it, depending on how their life was, right? Um, but yeah, they, they, they might have now started to see maybe life is, you know, not what it, you imagine it to be and everything like that. Um, what are the biggest takeaways that you've taken away from football? Why? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you say there, like mental strength. I mean, I've been released <laughs> more times than most. 
Yeah, you know I mean, um, so you get used to that rejection. Um, uh, I think as well, something that we said earlier, the amount of time you spend away from your parents and whatever else, the, the coaches become role models and even actually your peers as well, because you see the, the, the good sort of um, good sort of things that they put in place in their daily lives. You know what I mean, like if you're eating well, then you want to eat well and stuff like that. So uh, definitely, obviously, mental strength. Um, and just like I, I would not be the same person that I am now if I didn't go, as you say, if I didn't have that as my childhood. I wouldn't change it for the world. You know what I mean? Obviously, it didn't work out how I would have liked it to, but it doesn't mean I'd still go back and change it because I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be how I am. Could be better, could be worse. I'd never know, but I don't, you know, I don't look back at it and, and regret it or anything. It's, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it while I was doing it. Um, all right. Take us through. Lastly, take us through your, uh, you know, ritual for a match day, West Ham match day. What does it look like? Do you know what? I'm not very um, superstitious. So I haven't really got like left and first, like right. So I haven't really got much of that. But I mean, one thing that I was actually quite bang on with was sleep. Um, nine o'clock before a game. I don't know why. This is something that I've done from when I was eight, nine, ten, there's something I always start with. So nine o'clock before a game, um, get in bed. Doesn't necessarily mean I'll fall asleep. <laughs> but I get in bed at nine and just get a good night's sleep, good breakfast. Do you know what I mean? Take, take fluids on board. Um, and maybe just a little bit of visualisation, actually. A little bit while you're laying there, while you're, while you're drifting off. Think think about, you know, what you're going to do the next day. You know, what, you know, if you know the team, so if I was playing you guys, we we knew each other's teams pretty well, didn't we? So I don't know if I don't know, I don't know Ainsley running at me, or do you know what I mean, or yourself, or whoever else. So you can kind of picture what what you're going to have to deal with and what their strengths are, and what you know how you can kind of combat that. So yeah, just be a visualization, um, and then just game day. As I say, no no particular rituals in terms of putting clothes on or doing this or that. Uh, just making sure you have a good warm up, and away you go. What, what does that compare with now being a fan watching West Ham? What does your match day look like now? <laughs> can't say, can't say, I can't run. No, it's just, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Pub. <laughs> maybe maybe down to Lyricky High Street, have a bit of grabbing the Webstones, a few pints, get on the train and have a few more pints and watch the game. So, yeah, completely different now, mate. Oh, nice, nice. And what, what, what about if you guys win? What does it look like after that? Yeah, more booze. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff, man. Lovely stuff. Well, on that note, we'll finish up. Uh, this was uh, Sean Scales, Wait Team 58, Jordan Antonio Brown here. Uh, thanks for coming on, bro. Um, career after football is what we call yeah, this segment. Um, obviously, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment below. We're going to be doing giveaways. So, um, towards the end of the year um, you can win you know a few football shirts maybe from your favourite players um, a little bit of cash as well we're going to be doing just make sure to subscribe follow the Instagram we're on TikTok now as well like I said the Telegram group get in there with some chat and uh, we'll see you guys again soon thanks for coming on bro cheers mate thank you cheers guys Final thoughts, um, Sean Scales, career after football. 
Yeah, it was a good chat, you know. Um, got to catch up. Haven't spoke to Sean in. It's got to be probably like ten years now. Um, you know, you always busy going off with your life. Um, you meet different people along the way in your journey. Um, and then you get brought back to you know a beautiful moment. Get to reminisce about all the you know the times that you went through. Um, wasn't together in our case, but you know it's very similar against each other, and um, you know um, you know you get to learn things maybe you didn't know about the person. So um, it's good to see he's at peace now with. You know his career after football, being an insurance broker, and you know, uh, moving forward, you never know. Football could uh, always be his calling, and um, you know, he he might be, you know, going into coaching or scouting. You never know. Um, he's got the credentials there. Um, he's done the work when he was younger to prepare himself for the future. So that door is always still open for him. Um, you know, career-ending injuries are not a joke. And um, it's ended a lot of players' careers. I think in his case, um, he did what he could to try and make it in the pro game. But, um, you know, now, like he, like he said, he's at peace where, you know, he knows that he couldn't have given any more than he did. Um, even to the point where, you know, he finds it hard to walk now. So, um, you know, it was a good chat with him, um, you know, other than all the highlight points that people might take out of this, the players he played with, um, you know, Abramovich era and everything else. Um, I think it's always good to highlight the, you know, the mental health side of it, you know, the journey side of it. Um, you know, the academy side of it because hopefully there's young kids uh, listening to this and, you know, they get good takeaways to take out of this uh, for their journey and they could just learn. I always say a smart person learns from their own mistakes but a wise person learns from other people's mistakes. 4258, out, peace.